You're listening to the Fighting Irish Faithful Show, where we talk a lot about Notre Dame football. Tonight, one week before the 2020 season kicks off, we're talking about the stadium and the fan experience. We're going to talk about how Doug Flutie is gone from the booth and all the people said amen, and a lot about Brian Kelly, his legacy, where he has been for the last 10 years as he enters his 11th season. So here we go. Sit back, relax, pour yourself a drink. Let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walks, looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is spit it down. Dawson throws, open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame! Somehow, the Irish did it! Out of the pack, 30, 35, goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, five fire rocket touchdown, Irish! Zimikowski looking for a block. Touch to the right, to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45, 50. Up to the 45, 40, 30, one minute to beat, 20, 15, 10. He's down to the five, touchdown, Irish! What is going on, Fighting Irish Faithful, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back. It is episode five, and we are going to talk a lot about Brian Kelly tonight. I have been looking forward to this show for a very, very long time. I have done a lot of research, and uh, get ready for the stat dump. First and foremost, uh, you can follow the show. It's on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, the YouTube channel, uh, FightingIrishFaithful at gmail.com. Please comment, subscribe, send me your uh, praises, send me your accolades, send me your criticisms. I want it all. I want it all. Anyway, uh, tonight's whiskey. Uh, Let's get this going. We're having a Costco Kirkland Signature 12-year-old blended scotch. It comes in those really big bottles. I'm not really sure where they uh, put the blend in. It's a good whiskey. It's not great, but it's good. It's kind of like Brian Kelly, but (laughs) more to come on that. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get into it. So this week, the university announced finally the decision about who is going to be in the stadium we are going to have students we're going to have faculty we're going to have probably a few uh, special donors i imagine i am not one of them also parents of the players and that is limited to about 20 percent capacity of the stadium so it's about 17,000 people spread out uh, in groups of two or four i believe social distancing masks and masks are gonna suck in uh september early october but come late october november that mask will be uh pretty nice uh considering the beautiful uh, tropical south bend weather so that is what is going on now what's interesting about this policy which i have no real issues and this should be no surprise to anyone who is following the team who's a super fan who's just on pins and needles if you're a season ticket holder i'm sorry if you're an alum if you're a former player you know what you know stuff happens all right covid's going on all right we're gonna watch it on tv but it raises some questions about 
other things, the university also announced that there will be no tailgating on campus. And that makes sense, all right? They're, they don't want all these people there. They're, they're not going into the game. They have really no business there other than just to be fans and support the team. But that asks some questions, right? When we have gone to games recently, uh, me and the doc have parked off campus, um, somewhere off of Twickenham or near Van Ness and some of those off-campus lofts and uh, you know nice uh, houses and uh, new construction on the east side of campus. Are there going to be tailgates over there? Are people going to have their bring their satellite dishes and and just be having a huge tailgate party while watching the game on TV? Um, is that going to be allowed? I really don't know. Will say, say you parked uh, outside of Eddy Street Commons, right? And you just wanted to walk around on campus. Um, is that going to be allowed? Is campus like closed off? Are there guards? Are there are uh, those kind of things? I really don't know. If you know, please comment and uh, and let me know. I, I really am not sure. Uh, cousin, my man on the street, man who I hope is going to be in the stadium, uh, sending out some Snapchats. Uh, let me know. Uh, is there going to be a player walk? Is uh, the band going to be playing? I highly doubt there'll be a concert in front of Bond Hall or Trump, Trumpets Under the Dome. But uh, is the band going to be playing during the game uh, for the students? I imagine the band will be there because that is a pretty uh, large uh, collection of students and part of the overall Notre Dame experience. But it, there's a lot of questions with what came up. And I honestly, I think we're just going to just wait and see. Unless you're a member of the band, unless you're a student, unless you're a player, everyone else, hey, it's outside looking in. And quite frankly, the university is going conclave and they're just like, hey, this is what we're doing. The rest of you can just deal with it. However, I am very happy that uh, I will be able to at least watch my Notre Dame Fighting Irish on TV. We have been on pins and needles ever since our practice was delayed in the spring and all this stuff was pushed out. Uh, it's finally here it is one week away uh fingers crossed prayers everybody just get your rosaries out light candles at the grotto you know it's happening it's coming one week from now uh coronavirus take that screw you coronavirus we're playing notre dame football here we go so we get to watch it on tv of course with uh, the nbc broadcast and also announced fantastic news everybody get ready to celebrate Doug Flutie is no longer in the booth. We have been waiting for how many years now for that Joker to be gone? Why can NBC not get a Notre Dame player, a Notre Dame friendly-ish person in the booth? Honestly, if Tariko was there with Mayock, I would be okay with that. I don't think anyone does not like Tariko. I think Tariko does a fantastic job. He can stay there as long as he wants. Flutie, man, that guy just talks nonsense. He's a Boston College guy, so he's already got like 10 strikes against him right there. I was on Twitter this week, and there was so much just explosive happiness about Flutie being gone. Uh, Flutie is going to be replaced by Tony Dungy, which I think is going to be really good. Anyone who is a Colts fan uh, during uh, their Super Bowl run is also going to be happy. We're going to give a toast right now to Tony Dungy. Welcome to the booth. We we know you are going to be better than Doug Flutie. So Tony Dungy, welcome to the booth and, and cheers to you. 
I'm also happy that Drew Brees is not going to be in the booth. I remember seeing in the spring or maybe it was in the winter. I, don't, I honestly don't remember. But Drew Brees uh, had retired, of course, from the NFL and was going to get into broadcasting, which I got no problem with. He's a, he's a Super Bowl champion. He's a player. But I'm glad that a Purdue guy is not going to be in the booth. So I was kind of hoping it would be Mike Golick. Uh, when he had retired from his uh, Mike and Mike in the Morning show with ESPN. And I was kind of hoping he would leave ESPN, but he was going to pick up this deal with NBC and be the color commentary uh, person in the booth for those games. But clearly that didn't happen. And I personally have been on the Brady Quinn in the booth campaign, but I think he's still going to stay with Fox. So that's not happening, but I'm actually surprised that NBC is not doing a better job at looking at former players, for, former Notre Dame friendly, and I'm using air quotes as I say Notre Dame friendly, people like, say, Lewis Nix, right? A very, like, outgoing personality, someone that everyone really likes. I mean, I don't know a single person who didn't like Lewis Nix when he was a, a player and a student at Notre Dame. Or how about a Kavari Russell? Kavari Russell was a very outgoing player, if anyone remembers him. I think he did, like, theater and drama and that kind of stuff. And not that you have to be this big, bubbly, outgoing guy, but you know what? Let's get a Notre Dame-friendly guy. But I'll take Tony Dungy. I think that's a that's a, that's a a solid pick. And, uh, yeah, hey, get Doug Flutie out of there, all right? It, there's a lot of uh, – I've checked my Twitter, all right? There's, there's a lot of Flutie hate out there, all right? Go back to the sideline where you belong, buddy. Sorry, Heisman Trophy and all. All right, so here we go. We're going to enter the meat and potatoes. Um, and actually, no, this is not meat and potatoes. This is meat and steak, all right? this is. I have done a lot of research on Brian Kelly ever since 2016, and I'm not going to sugarcoat any of this, all right? Get ready for pure truth. Call me a hater. This is fact. Everything I'm about to tell you is fact. You look it up yourself and this is what you're going to get. And it's not because I don't like Brian Kelly. It's because I demand excellence. And here we go. We're going to let the numbers do the talking as I tell them to you. So Brian Kelly, he's entering his 11th year. Obviously, anyone who has the story, he had a very solid career while he was at Cincinnati. And then he left Cincinnati, was hired by Notre Dame, where he had more resources and more talent. Here are Brian Kelly's numbers when he was at Cincinnati. Over three seasons, between 2007, 2008, and 2009, he was hired at Notre Dame in 2010. But those three seasons, he averaged 11 wins with an 85% win percentage. His record versus top 25 Sagarin teams was... 55%, and his end-of-season Sagarin ranking, on average, was 20. Average points per game, 34, with an average margin of victory of 14.1, so f- over two touchdowns. Brian Kelly, over the entire 10 years that he has been at Notre Dame, he has averaged 9.2 wins with a 71% win percentage at Notre Dame. So about two wins less and about 14% less win percentage at Notre Dame. His average win percentage versus teams that finished in the top 25 in Sagarin is 44. 
versus 55 at Cincinnati. His end of the season Sagarin ranking is 19.9. That's about on par with 20.3, which is at Cincinnati. And his average points per game at Notre Dame is 30.9 points versus 34 at Cincinnati. And 9.4 margin of victory at Notre Dame versus Cincinnati. So Brian Kelly clearly is not performing over his entire tenure. The past 10 years is not performing nearly as well as we had hoped or even at the point he was when he was at Cincinnati. I realize that Brian Kelly was in the Big East and he was playing inferior talent to Notre Dame's strength of schedule throughout that entire run. However, he has more resources he has more talent available to him, and he can mastermind with better talent and step up to the higher levels of competition. That is the expectation, and he knew that fully aware as he took the job at Notre Dame. So after the 4-8 and eight season of 2016, I personally believe that he should have been fired. The inflection point for me was the NC State game where Notre Dame lost 3-10. to That was a game, there was a hurricane going on, and there was a lot of rain, and a lot of people were saying, oh, we shouldn't have played the game, and whatnot. What really hit it for me is that the play calling was atrocious. The scheming had no intent to change the game plan. We were stubborn, and we did not even get into an eye formation, get into a jumbo formation. Just run the ball. Just push it forward. Just do a shovel pass. Do a toss. All right? You're, you, they're literally doing jet sweeps. They're literally trying to you know, do these long cuts and all this passes and all this other stuff. I really feel bad for Deshaun Kaiser, all right? But I thought that coaching was terrible where you could have grabbed any high school coach in the country and they would have said, uh-uh. We're not doing that. We're going to do this, this, and this, rather than that, that, and that. I mean, I thought about that game afterwards, and I'm like, how could you have prepared for a torrential downpour game where everyone's slipping and sliding all over the place? That game showed that Notre Dame and their coaching didn't have a clue. And I was like, you know what? There is a way that you can prepare for this. Get all the players, put them all in their cleats, put them all in their pads, whatever, but also put some more protection on them, and send them over the frickin' hockey rink, all right? And practice on that hockey rink, all right? You will be slipping and sliding. Oh, and by the way, turn a hose on and spray them down with a hose on a hockey rink. And they practice on ice, okay? If you can practice on ice, you can practice in mud and rain. I guarantee it. Why did they not think of doing that? I realize that's very crazy outside of the box, all right? And I don't want to get anyone hurt. But have you even considered that? Have you considered, Brian Kelly, putting your players in an quote, uncomfortable position, all right? Frankly, he is my favorite coach because he made practice absolutely terrible for his players. Frank Leahy won many championships and won many games with Notre Dame, right? Because he was committed to excellence and he was committed to perfection and he put his players through the turmoils and the rigors that was his practice session. And then when they got to the games, it was no problem. So as I said earlier, Brian Kelly is entering his 11th season, and I felt it appropriate that because of the amount of time he has been at Notre Dame to compare him to the last Notre Dame coach who was there for about the same amount of time, and that is Mr. Lou Holtz. 
Lou Holtz, of course, coached for 11 seasons, and Holtz coached for 132 games. Kelly, so far, has coached 129, so they're almost the same. In that amount of time, Brian Kelly has 92 wins. Holtz, over his tenure, 100 wins. Brian Kelly, 37 losses. Holtz, 30 losses and two ties. The win percentage for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame is 71.3%. Lou Holtz, 75.8%. So clearly, Brian Kelly is much better than Charlie Weiss. He's much better than Tyrone Willingham or Bob Davey. And we should not compare Brian Kelly to those three guys, okay? Brian Kelly is clearly in a league far above them. And Brian Kelly is a good coach. I I mean, a 70 over a 70% win percentage in college football is very good. And especially at a program at Notre Dame with a lot of pressure and a lot of other stuff that I know Brian Kelly has to do for the university and to promote that image of the university, I realize he has to do a lot more of that kind of stuff. And and maybe it's gotten worse over the years since Holtz has left. I, I imagine it has, especially with the age of the internet and social media and so forth. Here's the thing. Brian Kelly has four more games to coach to have the same number of games to coach as Lou Holtz. He needs eight more wins to match the same number of wins as Lou Holtz. And he needs to win 24 games in a row. I will repeat that. Brian Kelly needs to win 24 games in a row from where he is now to match the winning percentage of Lou Holtz. It is that last stat that is blowing my mind to coach the same number of games and have the same win percentage. Brian Kelly essentially is behind 20 games to be at the same win percentage as Holtz. Keep in mind, Holtz has won multiple New Year's Six Bowls and, of course, a title from 88. Obviously, the the overarching starch of wins and losses and win percentage doesn't necessarily describe everything. All right. That's a that's a large generalization. Okay, And I don't I don't think it's realistic to compare Brian Kelly to, say, Newt Rockney, right? Because we've got like a century of time between the two of them. Okay, so I get that. So let's look at scores, right? Scores of games that Brian Kelly has has coached versus the scores of the games that Lou Holtz has coached, right? Maybe the game has changed a little differently. Who knows? But let's look at the pros and cons of how both coaches have performed. So highest score, Brian Kelly's best most points Brian Kelly a Brian Kelly team has put out there was last year against New Mexico where they scored 66 points versus Lou Holtz in 1996 over Rutgers his team scored 62 and I believe that's a 62 to 0 shutout so Brian Kelly hasn't beat from just a score point however from margin of victory Lou Holtz has the advantage 1996 versus Rutgers 62 to 0 versus Kelly's best margin of victory is both the Bowling Green shutout from last year and the New Mexico game shutout. And that actually is a very encouraging thing, that Brian's Brian Kelly's best margin of victories 
are from last year. Grant, both of those teams are absolutely terrible, but let's look at Lou Holtz's best margin of victories. Rutgers, Pittsburgh, SMU, Purdue, Boston College, another Purdue in 98, 45 points, right? Brian Kelly, his best margin of victory, 52 points Bowling Green, 52 points New Mexico, 2011 Navy, 42, 2012, 40 versus Navy in 2012, which by the way, uh, if you recall the original schedule, Notre Dame would have already played Navy in Ireland, and we would already be in the middle of the season at one game under our belt last week uh, if uh, COVID had not hit. So uh, sad moment of silence for that. Brian Kelly in 2016 beat Army by 38 points in 2012. Wake Forest, 38 points. Miami in 2012, 38 points. Here's the thing. Brian Kelly's top seven wins have a margin of victory that ranged from 52 points down to 38. Lou Holtz has 11 games with a margin of victory that ranged from 62 points down to 41. So it's higher and there's more games that have a greater margin of victory than Brian Kelly. He has four more games and at least three more points. All right. Navy, 41. Vanderbilt. 41, Navy, 43, Rice, 43, Pittsburgh, 44, so on and so forth. So Lou Holtz's teams scored more points with a larger margin of victory than Brian Kelly. Next, let's look at the defense of both teams. How well did Brian Kelly's defenses do versus Lou Holtz? First, BK has shut out opponents three times. In last year, Bowling Green. 2014, Michigan. Remember the six, 37 to 0. And 2012, Wake Forest. Lou Holtz shut out opponents eight times. Rutgers, Purdue, Vanderbilt, Pittsburgh, Purdue, Purdue, Navy, Navy. Now, let's look at the wounds of both coaches because I don't think it's fair to just compare Lou Holtz's uh, greatness and Brian Kelly's greatness. Let's compare uh, the depths of their struggles. Fewest points scored by both coaches. I'm going to first give an attaboy to Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly has never, ever been shut out. Brian Kelly has always put points on the board. Granted, it's been a field goal, but it's still points on the board. 2018 versus Clemson in the Cotton Bowl, he scored three points, and also 2016 versus NC State, three points. There is a time he put eight points on versus Miami in 2017, which is not a fun game to think about, and also 2016 where he only scored 10 points. Every other time, he has scored more points than that. Lou Holtz, on the other hand, versus Brian Kelly's four points, where he scored 10 points or less, Lou Holtz has been shut out. He was shut out once in 1987 versus national champion Miami in a game they got shut out. And that was when Jimmy Johnson was coaching them. Two times he scored nine points in 1990 versus Colorado and 1986 versus Pittsburgh. 1990, 10 points versus USC. In 1989 versus Miami, where he scored 10 points. And 1987 versus Texas A&M, where he also scored 10 points. Now, worst loss margin. 
This I found to be very, very interesting. We're going to start with Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz's worst defeat was 25 points in 1987 to Texas A&M. Then the 1987 Miami game where they lost 24 to 0, so 24 points. Then minus 22 to Penn State, minus 19 to Ohio State, and minus 19 to Boston College. So five games that I would consider Lou Holtz's worst losses. Brian Kelly, on the other hand, almost all of the next games are all worse than Lou Holtz's worst loss ever at Notre Dame. Let's start from the best to the worst, best quote unquote. 2014, Arizona State, Notre Dame lost by 24 points. 2018 versus Clemson, Cotton Bowl, playoff, 27 points. They lost 30 to 3. 2012, Alabama, national championship BCS game. No one remembers that game fondly at all. Last year, Michigan, we lost by 31 points against Jim Harbaugh at the Big House. 2017, one of the most embarrassing games ever versus Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. We lost by 33 points. Notre Dame's worst loss under Brian Kelly is in 2014, though, against our rival USC, 35 points. There are five games that have a worse margin of victory, five more games than Holtz's loss margin ever. Now, that's looking at the entire season. That's looking at the entire sample. Let's look at our two, two what I would consider Notre Dame's two biggest rivals and my two most hated teams personally, USC and Michigan. I dislike both of these teams very much. If you've heard from previous episodes, uh, as you know, I'm from Southern California originally. I highly dislike USC. I will say this. Brian Kelly has a very, very good record, relatively, versus our rival USC. He has seven wins and three losses, and that is very good. I was very happy to finally watch in person last year Notre Dame beat USC live with the doc on campus last year it was great we had a great time we got a that was our Christmas card photo it was amazing all right however Lou Holtz over his time span his record versus USC was eight wins two losses and one tie and that one tie I was present for that was my first game ever as a child as a child that 17-17 tie out in California. Now let's look at Michigan. Brian Kelly, first and foremost, has never, ever won a game at the big house in Michigan. Even his time when he was coaching before Notre Dame. But at Notre Dame, his record versus Michigan is 3-4. and four. Ironically, one of those wins is one of my favorite wins of all time of Notre Dame. That is the 30 seven to zero victory over Michigan in 2014. Brian Van Gorder fist pump and all of that. Yes, remember the six. But Brian Kelly's record is still a losing record versus Michigan at three wins, four losses. Versus Lou Holtz, five wins, three losses, and one tie. Grant they played each other more, but the percentage is still in Holtz's favor. Bull games. This is interesting. Would you believe it? Call this a truth or a lie, Lou Holtz and Brian Kelly had the same 
win percentage in bowl games. Truth or lie? That is truth. Both of them are 5 and 4 at 55.6%. However, here's the problem. All of Brian Kelly's wins are what I would call little bowl games, the Sun Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, Music City Bowl, etc. Let's look at Lou Holtz's bowl game wins. Fiesta Bowl, Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Cotton Bowl. Granted, the bowl championship series, all those bowls, they've changed, right? There was no Papa John's Bowl when Lou Holtz was coach, right? There was no Idaho Potatoes Bowl and all this other stuff. I I get that, right? But let's look at it from another standpoint. When Brian Kelly has been in a quality bowl, I mean New Year's Six, Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Peach Bowl, Orange Bowl, any any of those, he has lost and he has lost bad. 2012, lost to Alabama. 2015, Fiesta Bowl, lost to Ohio State. 2018, lost Cotton Bowl versus Clemson. The point I am making here is when push comes to shove and Brian Kelly's teams are in a big bowl environment he has not delivered and it's not like it's been a close loss or something like that or a penalty or something to that effect since Brian Kelly has not won a New Year's Six Bowl at all I consider that quite frankly over 10 years you have been there 10 years and you've never won any New Year's Six Bowls, you've had three opportunities and none of them have ever happened. Here's something else I find really interesting. Four of the last six losses that are the worst losses of Brian Kelly are big games and or New Year's Six games. What do I mean by a big game? A big game is a game on the road versus your opponent in their house, hostile environment, night game, college game day, ABC, primetime, all of that stuff, all right? Many of these worst losses, four of his six worst losses were under these high-pressure, high-visibility situations. Lou Holtz's were not, I, I guarantee it. And three of these worst losses were in the last three seasons, all right? This isn't like, let's put it in perspective. Lou Holtz's two worst losses We're in his first two seasons of 10 years. Three of Brian Kelly's six worst losses, half of them are in the last three years. So seven years had already gone by, and now he has three more losses that are even worse than what had happened before. That's terrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That is not good. In 10 years, you're saying that Brian Kelly cannot win a New Year's Six Bowl? Let's look at some of these other coaches who have. Obviously, at the top, you got Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Urban Meyer, Jimbo Fisher, Ed Ogeron. Okay, right. Okay, these guys have won titles. These guys have been to many games. Let's look at the number of guys in the last 10 years who have won two New Year's Six Bowls that are still active coaches. David Shaw at Stanford. Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State, has won more New Year's Six Bowls then Brian Kelly. Chip Kelly, who's now coaching at UCLA, has won two. Gary Patterson at TCU. Paul Christ at Wisconsin. Kevin Sumlin, at Ari- now at Arizona. Tom Herman, now at Texas. Dan Mullen, now at Florida. 
James Franklin, coach of Penn State, after inheriting a complete grease fire, he still has one New Year's two, two New Year's six bowls. Kirby Smart at Georgia. Now let's look at the coaches who have been coaching over the last 10 years who have won at least one New Year's six bowl. Mario Cristobal at Oregon, a huge up and comer. Clay Helton at USC. Brian Kelly has a 3-7 to seven win percentage advantage over USC. And Clay Helton, our rival, the current coach at USC, has won a New Year's Six Bowl, and he has not. How is that even possible? Brian Harson, the head coach of Boise State, has won a Fiesta Bowl, and Brian Kelly has not. By the way, I actually think Notre Dame should schedule a game with Boise State. The nation fell in love with Boise State in 2007, and I really think Notre Dame should schedule a game with Boise State. I'll play on the blue field. I don't care. I think that would be awesome, all right? Notre Dame, step outside of your comfort zone. Do you have the balls to play in a blue field? I don't know. Mike Gundy has won a New Year's Six at Oklahoma State. Dana Holgerson, head coach of Houston, has won. Charlie Strong, Charlie Strong, he was just fired from South Florida, and he won a New Year's Six Bowl. Hugh Freeze, now the coach of Liberty, has won a New Year's Six. Les Miles, he's coaching at Kansas now. Granted, that was at LSU, but doesn't matter. Scott Frost and Jim Harbaugh at Michigan has won one New Year's Six Bowl, and Brian Kelly has not. Now let's pour some salt in the wound here. Brian Kelly's worse losses and these are losses to teams he should never ever have lost to 2010 versus Tulsa I was at that game where we lost to Tulsa that was terrible I had already mentioned in a previous episode 2011 versus South Florida 2014 I would put Louisville and Northwestern in there as terrible losses as well I mentioned that Brian Kelly has struggled in quote-unquote big games, all right? Brian Kelly, when he plays a big game, again, away game, night game, away, on the road, ESPN College Game Day is there, etc. Listen to how many games he has lost. At Michigan, 2011 and 2019, last year. Alabama, 2012, we've already mentioned that. Florida State. In 2014, Grant, there was a controversial penalty, but we lost nonetheless. Clemson, 2015, we lost that game as well. Ohio State, the bowl game, 2015. Pretty much the entire 2016 season was a grease fire, so that's not good either. We lost at Georgia last year, 2019. That was another away night game. Miami, 2017. That was one of the most embarrassing losses ever, probably behind the national championship of 2012, but a a loss nonetheless. Clemson, 2018, uh, started out good, started out really good, but then Clemson found our weakness and poked at it because they are a good team with a good coach, and they knew exactly how to dismantle us, and they had the ability to figure us out and find our weakness and exploit it and win. Now, I've been really hot, and I'm about three scotches in with the fire and brimstone here. However, I do not want to be entirely negative, but these are the facts. 
These are the failures and the faults. These are the sins of Brian Kelly. I want to turn this around. I do think Brian Kelly is a good coach. I think he's been very progressive. I think he's done a very good job at taking Notre Dame out of the past and moving it forward into an area with turf, with Under Armour, and with a stadium, with a jumbotron, and all this other stuff. Okay, I think he has he gets the he deserves credit for taking Notre Dame away from the past and into a modern era that is today's current college football landscape. Therefore, Brian Kelly deserves to have mentioned now his best wins and some of my personal favorite wins. Utah, 2010. That was a very dark time for him at his first season where he had lost many games and people were really starting to second-guess him. And Utah came in and... We beat them that same season. Miami bowl game in El Paso. Miami comes in with their stormtrooper snowsuits in El Paso, and Notre Dame comes down from South Bend, and we dominated them in 2010. That was great. LSU 2014. We swapped out turnover prone Golson, and we put in Malik Zaire. And I thought the coaching in the LSU game and the bowl game versus Les Miles in 2014 was very, very good. Earlier that year, the Michigan game, 2014, one of my favorite games of all time watching from home was that game, 37 to 0. 2017 versus USC, we kicked USC's ass at home. I loved it. Beating Michigan in 2018, that was a very, very enjoyable experience. I think Brian Kelly's best win, though, over all of these I've just laid out, was Oklahoma 2012. That was a game where Notre Dame went into Norman, an underdog, under a lot of hype, and against a really good coach in Bob Stoops, who went to their house, and we showed them right away with a Sierra Wood 60-plus yard touchdown down the pipe that we came to play. We had a Chris Brown long bomb catch that ultimately led to a touchdown. We had a miraculous Manti Teo interception. It was was really a very surprising game, and it was Brian Kelly's best win where he went in as the underdog into someone else's house in a very hostile environment under the lights, at night, ESPN, College Game Bit, all that stuff I'm just talking about. And that is the only time he has done that. And it is his brightest moment. And that definitely put Notre Dame in the spotlight, put Manti Teo in the Heisman talk, all of that good stuff. That is Brian Kelly's best win. I started this podcast talking about Brian Kelly's last 10 years and comparing that to how his time was at Cincinnati. After 2016, that was really, I think, a growing period for Brian Kelly, and he turned things around in 2017, 2018, and last year, 2019. If we just looked at the last three seasons and compared the win percentage and all of that, how does Brian Kelly stack up? He averages 11 wins a game. He has a win percentage of 84.6%. He has a 52% win percentage 
versus teams that finish in the top 25 in Sagarin. He has an average rank in Sagarin at the end of the season, top 10, 9.3. And he is now averaging over the last three seasons 34 points per game with an average margin of 15 points. These numbers meet or exceed the levels that Brian Kelly was producing at Cincinnati. My point here is Notre Dame finally has their coach that they originally hired. We finally have the coach producing the numbers that we originally wanted. We finally have the Brian Kelly offense. We finally are producing at the level that we as Notre Dame fans, quite frankly, deserve. And I am very excited to see where this goes this year with a quarterback who is going to dictate and dominate things. However, I'm not going to be just sunshine and roses here. Brian Kelly has been there a long time, and he is still to win a New Year's Six. He has not won a national title, and I'm not trying to be selfish or greedy or anything like that. But you've been there 10 years, and you haven't won a significant bowl game. Come on, man. What's going on here? If Brian Kelly, after this season, has not done one of the following things, a hard decision should be made. COVID be damned. I don't care about COVID. If Brian Kelly wins the ACC championship game and Notre Dame trolls all of college football and then goes back to being independent, which would be the most gangster thing ever, Brian Kelly can stay. If Brian Kelly loses the ACC championship, however, wins a New Year's Six Bowl, say an Orange Bowl or something to that effect, I will be very, very happy still, and he can stay. If Brian Kelly makes the playoffs this year, regardless of the ACC, and wins that playoff game and goes to the title, he can stay. And of course, if Brian Kelly wins the national title, we will have the greatest podcast you have ever heard. And he, of course, can stay. If none of those things happen, and we have an 8-5 season, if we dip below that, if we get to the ACC title game, we lose, we get to a New Year's Six Bowl, and we also lose... He needs to be gone. I don't like saying that. I think Brian Kelly is a good coach, but we need to look on. I'd rather host trophies with the right people than cry with the wrong people. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to come down on him, but we need to be realistic about what our expectations are as Notre Dame fans, and we demand excellence. And that is what I demand this season. We have adversity within the program with with coronavirus and all this other stuff, social injustice, whatever. You know what? Show us what you're made of, Brian Kelly. Notre Dame team, show us what you're made of. Show us that you are the fighting Irish and fight and win and let's go. Thank you, everyone, for joining me tonight, for trying to get these out a little early. My plan is to get the podcast out before the game so you can enjoy it uh, leading into uh, the game on Saturday follow me, subscribe tweet, all that fun stuff love interacting with other fans Schlante, let's go Irish